From Studio One at the worldwide headquarters of ESPN and from Studio HD in Atlanta, Georgia, this is Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, and on Sirius XM Channel 80. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry, I know we got a lot of sports to get to, but I got to give you an update. Yesterday at this time, we were trying to figure out, should I go into the press box not looking professional for the Stanley Cup final Saturday? Saturday's my birthday. Going out to Vegas for my birthday. Going to be hanging out in Vegas for my birthday for the game one of the Stanley Cup final. And the question was, could I go into the press box and not be professional? A lot of you guys said no. Everybody that does this for a living said no. Guess what? I was able to weasel through system, got myself a ticket to the game. So now I've got a press credential and a ticket to the game. So hear me out. Now what I do is I go down to my seat. You know, I got Mm -hmm. one seat, right? And it's a good seat. Let me tell you, they hooked me up. I got a good seat. So I go down to my seat. it was uh, it was the price that Harry Douglas likes to pay for seats. Oh, free uh-huh. ninety nine. Yeah, free ninety nine. <laughs> so I got baby. myself a free seat, and it's I don't know about t- twenty rows off the ice. So I'm I'm gonna be sitting lower bowl, Stanley Cup final. I figure I go down there and meet my neighbors. I buy my neighbors a beer. Right, this this in- ingratiates me to my neighbors. I take off my starter jacket that I'm wearing in because I can't wear that up to the press box. I then put that in my seat. Ask them to watch it. I trust them. They're good seats. They're gonna be fine. I go up to the press box now, not wearing the jacket, so I'm professional. I get a plate, and I just slam as many of the sweets on that plate that I possibly can. It's my birthday. I'm a grown-ass man. I want sweets. So I'm going to eat all of the sweets. I'm going to take them all in a plate, might get two plates, then take them back down to my seat so I can share the sweets sweets from the sweets with everybody sitting next to me, put the starter jacket back on. I'm getting best of both worlds out of this. I feel like I've really mastered the system. But that's not the most important thing. The most important thing is that it's your birthday, number one, so – I can't wait to talk to you on your birthday and tell you how much, you know, I appreciate you and being able to be on Fitz and Harry together. But our friendship, you know, since 2019. But the most important thing is what kind of liquor are you going to be drinking, bro? Forget all the other BS that you're talking about. Like what, what's the liquor that you're going to be in taking on your birthday? I am curious if like, look before the game, It'll be measured, I'm sure, because I'm cheap, right? So before the game, it'll be a couple of drinks. Maybe grab drinks with some of my buddies that work with ESPN and work with radio out there. Grab a couple of drinks with some buddies, right? Uh, I do know that they're doing a carnival atmosphere outside before the game, outside of T-Mobile. Uh, that they have like a pregame thing. Uh, they they're doing free tattoos on the plaza, <gasps> so I free get a free tattoos. tattoo. Uh, they're giving hairstylists to give people gold hair. They have a dunk tank and sky riding. So uh, so far so good on all of this. I'm feeling like maybe depending on the tattoo, I might have to get like a tiny Stanley Cup added to my arm. Like maybe I go maybe I go well all in on Stanley Cup on the arm. I, I'm well, just here's the thing. So are you going to be able to get the gold hair? I, I, I mean, yeah, so yes or no? Uh, what what did you say? Are you going to get the gold hair? Yes or no? Uh, yeah, I think I got to get the gold hair, right? Like, gold hair feels like that's it, that's in, right? Okay, so here, number two. You said they're giving out free tattoos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are you going to get the Las Vegas Knights tattooed on your ass? No, no, no. Uh, huh? I, I, I mean, I feel like maybe lower back is a better placement for that. <laughs> Christine Lacey has pointed out, like, I, Christine pointed out, I can't get the Stanley Cup 
put on my arm early. The only thing I'd say is that my right arm is everything I'm proudest of in my life and every place I've ever lived. One of the, the coolest things I've ever experienced, I was on local radio in Nashville the year the Preds went to the Stanley Cup final, and I got to cover that whole Stanley Cup final run. So there's sentimentality to the actual trophy itself. That's the way I justify it. But Christina's made a good point. I think I got a bail on the Stanley Cup trophy because, look, I, I was at the All-Star game in Nashville and the audible gasp I heard from everybody, because I don't really care about superstition. I, it never mattered to me. I touched the cup. I Like, they had the Stanley Cup out there. I walked up to get my picture, took in with it, and I just leaned right on that thing. And there was the whole room went, <gasps> because if you don't know, it's considered superstitious for anyone to touch the cup for your favorite team. 100%. Like, you can't go. So I already touched the cup. So, you know, but that that may have cursed Nashville. I feel like that curse is gone for me now that I'm, like, all in on Vegas and, like, I don't know. So you you were at the same uh, same uh, Stanley Cup Finals that I was at in Nashville when the Predators were there. And I would tell anyone, if you haven't been to a hockey game live, number one, make sure you do that. It's way, way better in person than it is on TV. It's a lot of things like you, you, you wouldn't even imagine. It'll blow your mind. But if you have an opportunity to go to a, a playoff hockey game, better yet, a Stanley Cup Finals hockey game, it has to be on your bucket list. Oh, yeah. Like the level of energy in those arena are times, I would say, 20 fits from even the regular season when it comes to hockey. I have never experienced anything live from a sporting event like that run was because every – I mean, it's no different than watching it. You, you're you're holding your breath the whole match. Like the, the whole time, you, you're holding your breath. One goal can make all the difference in the world. And the explosion in an arena of energy when the team scores, when the home team scores, that's why this is so special to me. Like, uh, no, I could uh, go uh, to, what? Uh, what? Expl- explosion of energy. Yeah. Oh, I like that word. I'm telling you, man. Like, that's part of why I have to go to this. Like, Vegas, obviously, I mean, my, my people all the time that see my tattoo think it's just Vegas. It's ever I've ever lived. But Vegas is, is home to me. Vegas will always be home to me. The Golden Knights, the first professional sports team in Vegas. Now the Aces have won a championship. The Golden Knights trying to do the same thing. Uh, was lucky enough last year around the NFL draft to go to a Golden Knights game. Then it was a crazy energy. I feel like getting down there early, going to the carnival atmosphere outside, getting my – I, I got to go with the, the gold hair. Gold hair but, but has I, to but, be but, thing, but, right? but I have, But I have to have – yes, you got to get the gold hair. Okay. You, you, that's a must because I know how much you love, you know, your, your home teams. That's a must. You must get a tattoo on your ass. I don't care if it's a Golden Knights tattoo or Stanley Cup Finals tattoo. You got to get it on your, on your buttocks. Sorry. And then – for you, though, Fitch, because y'all are facing the Florida Panthers. Mm-hmm. And Kachuk has been phenomenal throughout these playoffs. Mm-hmm. Is there any ounce in your body that's nervous? Oh, tremendously. I mean, all of me is nervous. My God. Like, Vegas, there, there were two different versions of Vegas in the Western Conference Final, right? Like, there was a version yeah. of Vegas that was super explosive at the beginning of Game 6, for example. There's a version of Vegas where, you know, even without scoring from Jack Eichel, they were still able to to put up a bunch of goals early on in this thing. Uh, but there's also a version of Vegas that is up one tied, up one tied, up one tied. Like, it just, I just, I don't know, man. I, like, the, the Stanley Cup Final makes me nervous no matter what. I was in the, the like we, we talked about in Nashville, I was in there for every game. It, it's a weird feeling because I was in there for the game where uh, officially they lost the cup, right? And watching mm-hmm. the other team skate around and hoist up the Stanley Cup is something you just 
you never forget. It's a haunting arena vibe like I've never experienced before. Uh, I, I want to experience game one in all its glory, but I am scared as hell that I'm going to be the bad luck charm the minute I walk into T-Mobile. Like, uh, and, and by the way, T-Mobile called me. Like, I'm a T-Mobile customer. I'm walking into T-Mobile arena. I'm in Vegas. We should do something. But I'm just saying, like, you walk into that arena, and I feel like all of the energy. This goes one of two ways. Walking out of that arena Saturday night is either going to be the wildest. I'm walking into a bar <laughs> and I'm just going to raise my hand and say, first round's on me. It's either going that way or everybody's headed straight to their hotels where they're just going to like cry in sympathy. That, there, there's no halfway in between. But, but I'll tell you what I'm looking forward to when it comes to the Stanley Cup Finals. Are any of these games going to go overtime? Because I think that's one of the things that we can point to whether it was on the Eastern Conference side or the Western Conference side, we have seen a ton of games that have gone into overtime, and we've seen some phenomenal finishes throughout this entire NHL playoffs. You talk about two teams, man, who are really trying to do some great things with some great players on both sides. I'm wondering if this game one is going to be like an epic, you know, first game of the series that sets the tone for the rest of the games. Yeah, I, I think you're you're 100% right, by the way, and that's why I remember Carolina's coach after the series said, we didn't just get swept because yeah, all of those games are close. The stupidest and it's like, thing no, I've no, ever you, heard you, in my you, damn life. You, you got swept. Uh, but it is amazing to me because the Vegas Golden Knights, and, and look, I, I uh, we're going to talk a lot about this over the next few days because I'm going to go there. So far, this is what I know. I'm going to take some videos. I'm going to send them to Devin on Saturday night, right? And then Devin's going to put them up on the Fitz and Harry uh, Twitter. I'm gonna oh, I want to see you. I want to see you crap face, yeah, too. Like this, I can't this, say the other word. I want to see you crap face. That was the real question. We, we pre-meeting, we were like, okay, well, I'll just send it to Devin, and if Devin approves it, then it can go up on social media. And Devin said, well, send it to Liam. Then we realized that it's a Saturday night. None of us are going to be sober. So we're just going to see how things go, right? Like, I'm just going to see how things go. Uh, but I, I think that there is this moment when you look at Vegas six years in, and this is their second chance at a Stanley yep. Cup already in six years. They've only missed the playoffs one time. This is such a special moment. And I, I love the fact that Vegas has become wildly fanatical about hockey, much like Nashville did later in, in that process. The one thing that I think is going to be interesting is at some point, and no matter what team you are, you're going to go through a lull. I think right now the most interesting thing in the world for, for Golden Knights fans is they have no idea what it feels like to, to be bad for three or four years in a row, four or five years in a row. Most hockey fans know what it's like to say, hey, we're rebuilding and this is going to be a process. Vegas doesn't know that at all, and I don't know how they're going to react when they have to live it because last year, no playoffs. I went near the end of the season, and you could see the palpable frustration. I mean, they fired everybody. They've been a revolving door when it comes to who's coaching this team because they have championship aspirations every year. You know this, Harry. It doesn't always work that way in the NHL, but it does for the Golden Knights right now. Well, also, you look at this this organization. They have a chance to become the first, and to be a part of that, though, fits as a fan those players, everyone in Las Vegas, you know, a place where a lot of people thought that sports couldn't be featured or sports wouldn't be a huge or a major thing. To be able to get that first championship at this juncture in the organization, not being, you know, that far removed from an expansion team, right? I, I yeah. think would be phenomenal for the city of Las Vegas uh, and also that organization, those players, but those fans. Because I, you're a Dowhart, you're, you're a true fan, man. You're going to support your team no matter what the circumstances are. But to be able to get that win, I, I want that win for you. Yeah, well, it, we're going to see it. And I'm just telling you now, Vegas, if you're out in the streets at T-Mobile Arena before the game, hit me up. Just DM me on Twitter, at Jason Fitz. Uh, I'm going to be out there partying. Just so look for the wild, loud guy. You'll see, uh, you'll see us on social media. In the meantime, with all this Vegas talk, 
Troy Aikman said something about Tom Brady and the Las Vegas Raiders yesterday that has to be corrected. And he's not the only one. There's a bunch of people out there speculating, and I'll tell you why the speculation is absolutely wrong about Tom Brady. We'll do that next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Quick shout-out to my buddy Matt Billingsley. Every single night, sits on stage. He's the drummer for Taylor Swift. Everybody asks, how can Taylor sing for three hours? I ask, how the hell can Matt drum for three hours? Wild amount of physical exertion on that. Biggest tour in the world. Congratulations to him. He deserves it. We've been friends for a long time. And seeing everybody that works behind the scenes be a part of a great tour makes me happy. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. That's the most Taylor Swift talk in the history of any ESPN radio show, I think. Fitz well, and- that's a lie because I love Taylor Swift. Oh, man. See, you, you my should fa- my, Some of my favorite songs is Karma, The One, like... I'm a Taylor Swift, uh, Swift fan, man. Well, you should have told me earlier. I could have, I could have gone through Matt and gotten us some tickets, and we could have, uh, we could have gone. Oh. Show staff. All right, next time. Uh, Fitz and Harry presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive can protect your home, auto, boat, motorcycle, ATV, RV, and more. In short, a lot of things bundled together today at Progressive.com. Harry, I got something on my chest. I got to get off my chest. Oh. I'm angry. Oh. And I'm not angry at fans. I'm not angry at random people. I'm angry at a lot of our peers right now. Uh Uh-oh. And I'm angry because we are spreading misinformation. And this is what gets wild to me. Because right now there's a real conversation happening across sports talk uh, networks everywhere, ours included. Uh, I've, I've seen Troy Aikman come out and talk about it. Monday Night Football, obviously. I've seen Get Up talk about it. And the conversation is, could Tom Brady be the quarterback of the Raiders in 2023? (gasps) When's Tom Brady going to play for the Raiders? We have got to stop. We as a network and fans have got to stop letting clickbait and hot takes be more important than actual facts. I'm going to tell you the actual facts here. Because I've done enough digging, I've talked to enough insiders, there are actual facts. Well, you tell everybody how you feel. The only way that Tom Brady, now a minority owner of the Las Vegas Raiders, pending approval, the only way that Tom Brady could play even a single snap for the Raiders is if all 32 owners came together in a special meeting and all 32 owners unanimously voted yes to changing the bylaws of the NFL, which would then have to be signed by Roger Goodell to allow a player that is part of ownership to play. And by doing so, all 32 owners would have to be willing to open Pandora's box that would allow a player, for example, Patrick Mahomes, to get paid, for example, $1 to play, and then the rest of that come as part of an ownership stake that circumvents the salary cap. It is actually physically impossible. There are real facts in place within the NFL bylaws that would have to be unanimously changed to even let this happen. And nobody wants to talk about that because Brady gets clicks and Brady gets attention and people get ratings when they talk about Brady. Instead, we should be talking about the facts. And the facts tell you very simply, Tom Brady cannot play for the Las Vegas Raiders or any other team as long as he is an owner. We need to stop spreading the rumors and start paying attention to the actual facts instead of wasting people's time i've been lied to Mm -hmm. i cannot believe it but my brother jason fitz 
is always going to come with the facts. And you're going to bring the right information to light. Now, me personally, Tom Brady can stay retired. You want to know why? Because that SOB retired me. <laughs> That's why. Yes. My yeah. last game ever in the National Football League, I was boohoo crying in the locker room. Didn't know what was going to be next. Didn't know if I wanted to play anymore. I mean, I knew what it probably was going to be next, but I didn't know if I wanted it to be over with. But damn, Tom Brady and the New England Patriots at the time, I was with Tennessee Titans, sent me home, sent me packing, sent me with tears in my eyes, my wife and my family, you know, rubbing my back after the game because they, they could tell I've been bawling my eyes out. One of the last ones to leave the locker room. So, Tom, continue to enjoy your family. Stay off the football field. And I don't think there, there will be 15 owners that vote yes to that, knowing what Tom Brady has done to their organizations over the years. One, And you say that, Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, one insider that I actually, uh, I actually talked to a lot about this today said, imagine owners deciding that they want to help the Raiders in this situation. Let's say Jimmy G isn't able to play, and Brian Hoyer, uh, God forbid, has something happen. He's not able to play. Aiden O'Connell's not ready. The Raiders have no option. They look to Tom Brady to come out of ownership. It would take the division opponents, for example, saying, yeah, you know what, we're good doing that. It would take the entire league saying, you know what, Tom, we really want to help you get another chance. We know that ain't happening. It would take a family like the Kraft family saying, you know what, we're good with you being an ownership portion of the Raiders and also playing. And then on top of it, it would take everybody realizing that they're okay getting around the salary cap. And this is why the rule exists, because as I said earlier, Right now, in a world where Patrick Mahomes could get a raise every single year, the easiest thing in the world that the Chiefs could do is pay him veteran minimum so he only counts, what, a million dollars against the salary cap, and then say, we'll make the rest of your pay a percentage of ownership. Now, all of a sudden, you're actually circumventing the salary cap. That's well, no, part of why this happens. robbing Peter and paying Paul. Yeah. That's, that's exactly what they're doing. But I would say this, because I have nothing against Tom Brady. Uh I think he was a phenomenal player. I also think he's a phenomenal guy. I just think it comes a time where things have to come to an end and they have to be ended and stay that way. I don't want to see Tom Brady in the lights that I seen him a year ago, right? I want to see Tom Brady at this moment with his family in the owner's suite, enjoying football games, you know, and I want to be able to remember Tom Brady by a lot of the historical things he's been able to provide. Sorry, Fitz, against the Raiders, mm-hmm. um, to be exact. Tuck rule. Thanks. But also, you know, the one I hate the most versus my Atlanta Falcons mm-hmm. being down 28-3. to That's how we want to remember Tom Brady. We don't want to remember Tom Brady the way and in the manner that we've seen him in 2022. Uh, you're a 1,000% right, Harry. And this is the one thing I would say. I understand – that being loud and screaming about big topics can make all of us very famous and very rich. And I understand and respect why people do it. But to me, at the end of the day, if we're really here to serve sports fans anytime, anywhere, as ESPN is, part of our information has to be, let's get facts. That's why we have a stats and info group that helps us get information. And that's why it's up to all of us that sit in front of a microphone to press pause sometimes and say, hey, Can this happen with the salary cap? Can this happen with existing legislation? Can this happen with the collective bargaining agreement? I, even if it hurts the future of my career and my ability to yell and scream, 
I will always step back and say, what's the actual factual information? And if we all stop on Tom Brady, the actual facts make it very clear. The only reason anybody's talking about it is because it's a way for people to get clicks, get ratings, and make money. We all need to stop paying attention to it, which will then stop the conversation that is, at its very core, at best, worthless. I think that's well said. Thanks, buddy. All right, had to get that off my chest. Nuggets head coach Michael Malone is not letting his team look past their opponents in the NBA Finals, but is it over before it even starts? We'll break it down for you next. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz, we're presented by Progressive Insurance. It's interesting because so far it's been a tale of two very different stories to get to the NBA Finals. On the one end, you have the Heat, where everything has been difficult. In fact, the Heat to players and coaches have told you from the outset, everything has been difficult for them all year but including the playoffs. Remember, as we've broken down several times, with five minutes to go in the play-in game against Chicago, they were trailing. It looked like their season might be over. This was a team that couldn't seem to shoot, and then all of a sudden, they get a, a series win that was difficult at times against the Bucks. Then they have to go through the Garden and get through the Knicks. Then they have to go through a seven-game series against Boston where it looked like they had it, they didn't have it, and they come out triumphant. Compare that to the other side of this, where the Nuggets have frankly made every step of this entire journey look easy. Every time we've thought, oh, this is a time and a way that they can be challenged, they've just flicked it off their back and said, nope, we're all good. So it raises at least the perception that this could be an easy cakewalk to an NBA championship. But Mike Malone, Nuggets head coach, says not so fast because he believes that this is actually incredibly difficult for them. He believes that the Heat can propose the biggest challenge they've faced so far. Here's what he said specifically about what makes Miami so difficult to face. Well, as I told our team, man, like forget the eight seed stuff. I mean, they, they beat Milwaukee four to one. The team had the most wins in the NBA this year. Uh, they beat Boston four to three, and they're up three zero. Team with I think the second most wins in the NBA this year. So, uh, you get to the NBA Finals. It's not about seeding anymore. And for those that are thinking that this is going to be an easy series, um, I don't even know what to say to you, people. I mean, like this is going to be the biggest challenge of our lives. It's the NBA Finals. You know, th this is you're trying to win the first NBA championship in franchise history. And it's going to be the hardest thing that we've ever done, which is the way it should be. I think listening to Mike Malone right there, Fitz, number one, he's respecting his opponent, right? Uh, one of my college coaches always told me, you don't have to like who you're playing, but you damn sure better respect who you're playing. And there's a reason why the Miami Heat are playing in the NBA Finals. Now, I also think that the Denver Nuggets have the edge in this series. You just talk about offensively. I think that's going to be a challenge for the Miami Heat, being able to slow them down because they're – one of the highest scoring teams in the postseason. You talk about one of the best field goal percentages, and you talk about point differential. That in itself is going to be something the Miami Heat is going to have to deal with on top of having the best player currently right now at this moment in the NBA, Nikola Jokic. That's going to be tough for the Miami Heat. But I'm not going to count them out in this series. But when it comes to the different nuggets, and you look at that youth that they have and the pace that they like to play with, 
I'm interested to see how the Miami Heat are going to approach them defensively because I don't think you can just sit there in that zone like you said in that zone against the Boston Celtics in this NBA Finals if you're the Heat. Yeah, what's interesting to me is that sometimes, and we talk about this a lot in football, uh, but particularly in the NBA, sometimes it's not about good team, bad team. It's about good matchup, bad matchup. Mm, That's right. And so much of life in sports is about matchups. And you can have a great team in the NFL that just doesn't match up well with another team. You can have a great team in the NBA that doesn't match up well with another team. We've seen that over and over and over again. In this particular series, it just feels like Miami, unfortunately, doesn't have a great matchup for the Nuggets, specifically because of two things. Number one, they don't have anybody in the middle that can even be a problem to Nikola Jokic, right? They don't have anybody in the middle that's even an agitator to Jokic. Uh, Jokic is going to be able to do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants it. The other side of it is we've talked a lot about the fact that Miami loves to play the zone. What's the best way to beat the zone is to shoot your way out of the zone. There are guys on Denver that can shoot their way out of that zone all day, every day. Like, Jamal Murray can shoot his way out of that zone. Hell, Jokic can shoot his well, way he, out he, of the zone. He, like, he, anybody the, can. Here's the worst part about that if you're the Miami Heat. You know, ways to beat the zone, I think the short corner down by the baseline and also putting someone in the middle of the zone. Well, the person that they're going to be putting in the middle of the zone happens to be the best damn player in the basketball at the moment, Nikola Jokic, who's averaging a triple-double, who, unlike in B, when he gets the ball in those spots – it's, it's, it's second nature to Jokic. It's nothing for him to think about. He's just reacting and playing off of what the defense is presenting to him because that's a natural spot that he's accustomed and used to being in. So now he's going to draw double teams and he's going to be able to pass the basketball to the open man. And the Denver Nuggets might get to a point to where they're shooting warm-up shots. And what I mean by warm-up shots, shots that are wide open, that's if the Miami Heat decides to go to that zone. I just don't think they can play it as much as they did in the series versus the Boston Celtics because you have that high IQ player, Nikola Jokic, that can pick you apart. Well, and I, I love what you just said there about Jokic and high IQ. I This is going to sound like such a slam to the Celtics. I don't mean it to be that way. But part of the reason the Celtics weren't able to win against Miami is they didn't have that basketball IQ guy at the end could figure out how to how to crack the code. They didn't have the guy on the court. We talked earlier about how what Boston needs is a coach on the court, right? They didn't have that guy. The 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 Nuggets do all day every day. So now it's not just Spolstra versus Malone. Like it's not just coach versus coach. It's also player IQ and executing what that coach wants versus player IQ and executing what that coach wants. And one thing we've seen from Jokic, I think that's pretty spectacular. Uh, we don't talk enough about is his ability to adjust within a series to how he's being defended. Uh, mm-hmm. He he's a brilliant basketball player. So whatever Miami throws, yeah, Miami might throw a lot at him game one, and it could be a problem. I'm I'm, I'm not saying it won't be. I just I have confidence in Jokic's ability to say, okay, I got that. Now I'll figure it out. We'll figure out what to do with it in the next game. How many times have we already seen that in these playoffs where Jokic adjusts to the way he's being defended? So here's here's a a major difference for the Miami Heat and what they've been been able to face at that center position this entire playoffs. Where you look at the Milwaukee Bucks, you have Brooke Lopez. Yes, he can play on the perimeter, but Brooke Lopez can't handle the basketball like Nikola Jokic. You look at the second series against Mitchell Robinson. He's a guy that's going to play around the basket. And then you look at a series against the Boston Celtics and Al Horford. Al Horford's not going to break you down with a dribble. Al Horford's not going to get the rebound and go coast to coast and make the right read or take the ball to the basket or pull up and shoot the jump shot. All those things I just mentioned, Nikola Jokic can do, 
right? So he, it's a different ball game when you have a guy that's your center that can now initiate your offense. It's a huge difference. Yeah, it, it is the cheat code, although we say that too often. But Jokic is truly the cheat code. The difference isn't like Jokic has suddenly elevated his game. The difference now is that we're paying attention. And mm-hmm. I, I can't say that loud enough. I think for, for a lot of real reasons, people haven't paid attention to the Nuggets. Now you have no choice. And when you pay attention to the Nuggets, what you see is that Jamal Murray is ascending in every way that we thought two weeks ago that Jason uh, Tatum and Jalen Brown were going to ascend. That's who Jamal Murray has been throughout these playoffs, right? Jamal Murray is playing like, a, and I know we, we've talked a lot about being careful with the usage of this word. Jamal Murray is playing like a superstar right now in the playoffs, right? Like yep. he is taking that, that, that trajectory upwards. At the same time that we're watching Jokic do this so easily, at the same time that we're watching the role players step up, at the same time that we're watching them move with pace and see the way that they move their offense up and down, and Miami wants to make things ugly. I just don't know that you can make things ugly against this Denver team consistently. I think that's part of why the Nuggets have had consistent regular season success against the Heat over the last several years. I think it's part of why they will in this series as well. All right, we'll keep breaking it down because obviously tomorrow night, Thursday, is the start of the NBA Finals. All eyes will be on that. Uh, You can obviously listen to it on ESPN Radio. We'll have a ton tomorrow to break down. But coming up, which team should be prioritizing pursuing DeAndre Hopkins right now? We'll answer that question, and one of those teams might surprise you. Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Fitz and Harry, the podcast. It's Fitz and Harry on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Harry Douglas, Jason Fitz. I've been less than Mr. Brightside when it comes to some of the ways that we've covered Tom Brady, by the way, to the Raiders. I told you earlier why it is actually impossible, like literally cannot happen. I, I, I broke all this down. You can go back and listen to it on the podcast. It's very simple rules on why it cannot be done. Very quick synopsis. It would take a unanimous vote from all owners to approve the ability for a player that's a minority owner to also play, which would then circumvent salary cap. It would take all 32 owners voting yes to make this happen. It cannot happen. Somebody tweeted me, Harry. Somebody tweeted me and said Tom Brady could always sell his 1% of ownership if the Raiders want, and then they could give him a nice profit on his sale to his encourage him playing again. Again, I would have to point out that to sell a stake in a team requires a <laughs> special ownership meeting. The owners would then have to approve that sale. The owners can say no to any sale. Think about this. We found out months ago that the commanders are about to be sold. Hasn't been approved yet. So the owners would then have to be stupid enough to approve this sale and then turn around and not look at him coming into play as a circumvention of the salary cap. Y'all can keep trying to twist this Rubik's Cube, and I'm telling you, it can't happen. Like, you can waste your time trying to figure it out, or you can just listen to the damn facts. Like, I don't care. (laughs) If I'm standing outside, and the sky is blue, and it's a sunny day out, and it's hot, you can tell me that it's winter all day and that it's 10 degrees. Just open your eyes. The facts are there. Good God. What what you saying? If it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's probably a damn duck. Yeah, don't give it to your kid and tell them it's a dog. They'll be messed up for life. That's what y'all are doing with this Brady (laughs) thing. You're trying to tell them the quacker's a duck. It it just doesn't work. I'm worked up about this. Yeah, You get people, you, you walk, you can walk a horse to water. You can take a horse to water, right? I can't make them drink. That's the old analogy. I don't mm-hmm. know. All I can do is give people facts, and then they still come in and go, yeah, but what about? Oh, my God. Uh, I also had somebody, what about me, and say, yeah, well, LeBron's about to be part of ownership. Good God, people. Different leagues have different collective bargaining. This is 
You know what? I'm just too worked <laughs> up about it. Too worked about it. Let's talk about Deshaun Watson and, and DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, D-Hop can go anywhere. And, I, and this is important. As of 4 p.m. yesterday, he can go anywhere he wants. So the question is, what does he want? Does he want to play for a winner? He said he wants to go somewhere where the quarterback is invested, where there's a great defense, and there's a great culture. Cool. People in hell want ice water. He also wants to get paid. So, Harry, we've broken down a few places that could be a good fit. I think the best fit monetarily and overall for the impact he could make is the team you mentioned earlier, the Lions. But I want to throw one other team at you. What about the Chargers? With the char- Chargers trying to catch the Chiefs, the Chiefs are rumored. Get yourself another weapon. Does it make sense? Um, I don't think so. Okay. Because when you look at Mike Williams, then you look at Quentin Johnson, then you add a DeAndre Hopkins, and you also have a Keenan Allen. I, 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 don't, I don't understand it. I don't understand why they would make that move. You know what I mean? Because now you have three guys in my in my eyes is that that are kind of similar. They're they're all different in their own ways, but they're kind of similar. So I I don't I don't see the Chargers making that move in those regards. Yeah, I I, I just wonder because we become so star obsessed. I mean, if he wants to win a Super Bowl, like if that's flat out the objective, I want to go win a Super Bowl. I want to play with the best players in the world. Then the Chiefs and the Bills are, are the clear favorites. I know mm-hmm. a lot of people are also going to say the Jets. You this morning on on Get Up pointed out smartly that the Jets already have a stacked wide receiver room. Like, what are we doing? I, there's only only so many footballs to throw around. I don't think the Jets make a ton of sense. But the Bills and the Chiefs, he would actually be a valuable added commodity to both of those teams. They just don't have any money. So he's either going to have to take less or they're going to ha- have to get really creative with their contracts. Oh, man. For DeAndre Hopkins, though um... – it's all. It's gonna be all about what he wants, and I think at this juncture in his career, I know when I got to you know this point of my career, the only thing that mattered to me was winning and being trying to get a being able to get a ring. And he's made a ton of money, um, over a hundred million dollars in his career. But I'd never sit up here and tell someone not to go get your money. No, oh, yeah, I yeah. would. Ne- I would never do that. But at some point, being able to play with so many different quarterbacks, and being in a position where you can pick and choose where you want to go right now at this juncture in your career, I would think he would lean towards, you know, a team that has been consistently to the playoffs, a team that has an opportunity to win a Super Bowl, that he can still make a difference on in those regards. I mean, when you say that, it, it it's so clear to me. And look, everybody's different. You're very right. But my God, he's played on a lot of teams that just suck in his whole career. He's been a great player on a team that sucks for most of his career. And he's had big-name quarterbacks with him, at least in theory. Maybe Kyler Murray's not as invested as he wants. Fine, maybe that's what he was sort of subtweeting when he oh, said yeah, what he, he wants. Yeah, he you spoke know. on that one a now, little bit. I mean, but he Not was, directly, but a little indirectly, but he spoke about it. <laughs> but he was also with Deshaun in, in, the, in, in Houston. And it's not like the Texans were a Super Bowl contender, you know, like. But and, no, but, but, I, but I will say this, though, because I, I remember a year and I remember the, the Texans played the Bills uh, in a playoff game. And I thought the Bills was going to win the game and Deshaun Watson, you know, pull a rabbit out of his butt and did some magical things that led them to a game against the Kansas City Chiefs. And with they were I think they were up in that game by 20 plus points before Brill O'Brien started to make some terrible decisions as a head coach yeah, yeah. that allowed the Kansas City Chiefs to get back into that game. So it's not like he was on terrible teams because the Houston Texans, they were winning the division. No, that's fair. At that point. Granted, it wasn't a tough division, but they were. But I just think that particular year, there were some questionable things by the head coach decision-making-wise that allowed the Kansas City Chiefs to come back in that game. Or I don't even know if we're talking about him – being traded 
to a different team in those regards. I, I think in some ways, too, if, if the goal is to win a Super Bowl, and I'm a player right now in the NFL, and I know players never think about themselves in any sort of like, I can't do this or I don't want to take that. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that if my goal is to win a Super Bowl, I'd much rather be in the NFC right now. Just sheer, sheer business. Oh, I'm looking yeah. around and I'm like, man, way easier path to the NFC. As I've said to you, and we'll say all the way until we get to football season, uh, right now when you look at the Bengals, the Ravens, uh, the Bills, the Jets, the Dolphins, the Chiefs, uh, I mean, the list, the, the possibly the Jags this year, there are going to be very good football teams that simply miss out on the playoffs, and it's a wild journey of luck to get to the Super Bowl in the AFC. In the NFC, I mean... That's why I like the Lions for. Uh, that, that's why the Lions make sense. Like You could go part, be part of something wildly historic for Detroit if you go help them win at a high clip. Yeah, and, and people will remember your name. They're already going to remember your name, but you could take it to another level. Right, being there in in Detroit, being able to make the playoffs, because I picked the Lions to win the division. But if you can make it, I would think even to an NFC Championship game, like the way they would treat you and view you in Detroit for the rest of your life would be phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, and it's interesting because Detroit has certainly had talented players in its past. There, you, yeah. there, there's no doubt about that. But they've never been able to take that talent and turn them into winners. Maybe, just maybe, they've found the special sauce in this environment, in this NFC, where they can do that. And if they can do that, especially on a year where they're trying to figure out how to get the most out of what they have, an aggressive move for a superstar wide receiver is something we would look at with eyes wide open and a ton of praise. I know that moving forward. You've been listening to the Fitz and Harry Podcast. You can listen to the guys live weekdays from noon to 3 Eastern on ESPN Radio. And you can watch on the ESPN app.